0: All right, today on No Puts Given, we're talking Rory, we're talking the Open, we're talking some guy shooting over 200 in oh a yeah. round of golf. We're talking find it, cut it. Oh boy, you're going to want to see this one. And we're also going to talk a ton of new equipment, and we're going to tell you what we like and what we don't. Let's get it. All right, so let's start with the Open why do you Deal. call it why do you call it that sam or harry
1: the open why not the british open why is it the open sam it's the first ever golf tournament yes it is
2: the very first the one
1: very first
2: professional golf tournament. i mean do
1: you think any other open out there would get annoyed just like well if you're the first don't you have the rights to call it whatever word you want i guess but this day and age no one has rights no <laughs>
2: okay or does everyone have rights oh that's a harry's that's a deep deep tip yeah (laughs) no the uh the the open championship was the first ever i want to say it was played in the 1800s there were 12 holes played at prestwood golf club
1: it was a limited amount of holes yeah
2: yeah they didn't have a full 18 hole golf course when i was in college uh one of my really good friends she went over to cambridge to study for a summer and she (laughs) hey bro. um she gave him back with a book called The Original Rules of Golf. And it was really cool, you know, like the original rules were really weird. A lot of what is now in the rules of golf was back then just worded differently, but like, you know, the the teeing ground, there were no like tee boxes. The teen ground was Yeah, this is crazy. With with one club length. So this whole club length rule, you know, if wherever on the golf course if you tony to knows about drop. the club length rule tony's very familiar with taking drops <laughs> so the the original club length rule came from when you hold out so let's say you play the first hole you hold out
0: well wait a second when you hold it, you mean i put i'm on the green i put the ball into the with the flag stick in ball goes in hole and then literally i put my club down and tee up
2: one club away from where i just putted there were no flag sticks <laughs> um, however, but yes, that's exactly right. So you would take, you would scoop some sand out of the hole, mm-hmm. use that as your tee, and then within one club length of the hole, you play the next one. So you got to putt through divots. I get, I mean, I wasn't alive back then, but I would assume so. True, true.
1: Yeah, it's, I mean, it's evolved quite a lot since since those times. <laughs> um, but yeah, that... They started to introduce different things, but it was basically just a field, and mm-hmm. someone cut like a, a, a smaller landing area, which you would call a green right now. And they just used to play from wherever. They didn't really have any set rules, they just used to play.
0: We might have to go back to 12 holes if this sport's going to survive.
1: I mean, that's how it
0: started. I know. Going back to your old
2: roots. We no, the- have whiskey. We yeah. have whiskey. The Open Championship well, there's plenty is of really cool. People people still play by that. Yeah. <laughs> old Tom Morris played in the first ever Open Championship. He oh, got good old Old Tom Morris. He got beat. It was three rounds of twelve <clears throat> holes, and I don't know who won, but it wasn't Old Tom Morris. Well, pretty
0: cool. Well, um, Rory talking about who's going to win the Open this year. Going back to when he was sixteen years old, as you can see there,
1: Just little Bobby sh-
0: shot a sixty-one. At the age of sixteen, he should be shooting. Like 40, he should be shooting like forty-eight by the time. What is he? Thirty years old now.
1: <laughs> I don't know. He doesn't look that young though.
0: So uh, who do you guys? So also Kepka, you said it brought a caddy.
2: No, his his actual. I was looking up. His caddy is from Portrush, like the guy. Oh, that his caddy thinking.
0: that he has now. Yeah, gotcha. I thought you were
1: saying he brought in a new caddy. No, let me figure out. His that analysis. would be ballsy though. Yeah, so, I don't see hey. anybody do that.
3: You have to be drunk. <clears throat>
1: But the good thing about it is, Ricky is he knows that course back of a hand, and it doesn't look like Kepka really needs help when it comes to majors. But he's Caddy, he's obviously going to help him a lot more being from that place. So. Yeah,
0: for sure. I mean, that's a totally different style of golf, right? I mean,
1: for sure. I mean, that's that's why it's going to be really interesting to see how the newcomers that are not familiar with Lynx golf, where you're hitting blind shots pretty much every other shot. Um, into just huge stands or markers in the back of the green where you just have the center of the green and then you have to rely on on your pin sheet for the rest. I mean it's it's intimidating. But I love I love Lynx golf. I love Yeah, I think how it'll be it,
0: interesting to see just kind of the juxtaposition of the guys that are used to playing over there to you know the D that are from over here for one, but also have a swing that is very consistent and mm-hmm. you have to vary your swing exactly i often. mean
1: if you a lot of america uh, american golfers are high high launch guys and land it soft but in lynx golf you're going to have to bump and run it you're going to have to hit higher shots you're going to have to hit knockdown shots you're going to have to have every shot in your arsenal to actually perform well and that's yeah, and- that's why it makes The best players perform the best when it comes to
0: the Open. And we'll get to it in a few minutes here, but that's why you're going to see a lot of club companies coming out with irons like Titleist, uh, U500, U510s, and then TaylorMades. You're seeing Tiger and them putting in some of their more stinger long Mm -hmm. iron. If you get it on the the
1: fairway, you're going to do well because the rough's going to be high and... It's going to be bouncy. I think the forecast is going to be pretty dry and and, and warm and windy. So yeah, you know,
2: I was and that you know I've heard in the past like they say that the Open's a bit of a fluke because it, if you it's a little bit of luck because depending on the kind of tee time you get and what the weather's like when you tee off
1: because it could be mm-hmm. hailstorming in the morning and sunny in the afternoon. Weather's not
0: looking good right now.
1: Well, or yeah. you could do, you could play into the wind for the front nine. And then the wind just switches and you're playing into the wind on the back nine. Like yeah. it's, it's so easily um, done when it comes to weather in, in Europe. Well, we'll see. So,
0: you know, the odds are interesting. So Rory is the favorite right now. And rightfully so the guy, if you look at his last four, I think appearances there, he's averaging like T2, T2 and a half, basically. Um, so Rory's a nine to one. Kepka's a 10 to one. Some more interesting uh, notes from others that will be in the field. Dustin Johnson sixteen to one, Tiger eighteen to one. You got uh, Deschambeau is forty five to one, mm. and your boy uh, Poulter is a seventy five to one.
1: Stick a fiver on him. You know, <laughs> it, why not? <laughs> you know, if he comes up and wins, you five times seventy five. That's a lot. Hundred reasons not to. <laughs> hey, but it's a cheeky fiver, so why why not just put it on there? You might come up trumps.
0: Yeah, and then nobody's boy Patrick Reed is ninety five to one. <laughs> He's gonna miss the cut. You think so, Tony? Who you got?
3: Uh, you know, I I, I think at this point you you have to sort of just assume Kepka's gonna be right there in a major. That's uh, my that's my so point. Ricky, I want to uh, say like
2: those words exactly are what you said for the U.S. Open. Yeah.
3: Richie, uh, Richie 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 Three Jack over at WRX who who does some analytical based project uh, predictions has DeChambeau on his list this week, so I like that one. I think uh, well. as much as anybody can be due to win a major, I think Bryson's due. Uh, Let me yeah, ask you a
0: question, Tony. If I ask you this question a hundred times, who do you think is going to win the next tournament, do you think you're ever going to deviate off of either DeChambeau or Koepka? Uh,
3: Well, when when Kepka finishes out of the top three, maybe, but until <laughs> that happens, no. It's a safe <laughs> Absolutely bet, Absolutely
0: right? not. You're not going Patrick Reed, huh? Uh,
1: no. No, I'm... Uh, <laughs> no <laughs> <laughs> he's a he's a great guy though Patrick yeah yeah I hear people love him. Did you get the sarcasm yeah, I, I did <laughs> okay i'm glad you got it okay
3: all
0: right well let's put a bet on it right so here's the bet it's just between you two okay so you pick your guy you pick your guy
1: can't lie for him <laughs> is he whoever, on the field? <laughs> whoever no, loses he is.
0: whoever loses has to play the other person with a full bag of infomercial clubs
1: okay <laughs> Um, I would I want to go to the one that I did for the U.S. Open and Kepka. You're going Kepka? Yeah. Okay. I'm going Rory then. Ooh, okay. It's have- gonna be it's gonna be interesting. All yeah. right.
2: Now, does the one do they have to win or we're we just talking finishing? So it's
3: finishing finishes higher ahead. than Kapka. Whoever, whoever finishes one ahead, the, the other, the other game. one of you idiots is playing with infomercial clubs.
1: <laughs> yes. What if they tie? Then we we then you something both other.
3: play with infomercial clubs <laughs> against you. Left-handed. At least to be fair. <laughs> I still get my strokes so. though. All of twenty-seven of them. <laughs> Can I use
2: that uh that piston driver? The oh yeah the easy golf. Oh show. Sure. Did we yeah. s-
1: did we ever? Uh, that uh, it's yeah, at least it's, I'll, it's I'll not get not off the tee well. moment.
0: All right. Well, let me ask you a question. With infomercial clubs, do you think you're gonna beat a 194? I mean, a 202 like Trey Billardero
1: shot. <laughs> I want to say yes. You think you're gonna? That beat was Beth? in the U.S. Open um qualifier. Yeah. Do I have to use the hammer putter? Uh, that's a definitive. Yeah. Yeah. So I man, don't it goes,
0: know. It's one
2: putts every time, man. <laughs> yeah. Well, if you take, claim. if you take the arms out of it, it's only wrists. Correct. That's what the directions say. Mm-hmm. Pow. <laughs> well, I guess I'll beat not 194 then. <laughs> well, the guy that shot supposedly 194 actually
0: didn't. He shot a 202, which is pretty funny because they, the USGA computer system, I guess, didn't go above 19 for a hole. <laughs> so they actually figured out that he shot a 202. Tony, you got a shot.
3: Yeah, no, that's, that's a solid two-round score
0: for me. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, we're going we're gonna to see who wins. Um, let us know who you think's going to win, but uh, between these two guys, Chad and Brad over here, and uh, we'll find out who Let's wins go. and who's going to play with the infomercial clubs. And next up is what we call Shot of the Truth, and this week's version is a Find It, Cut It version again. What do you know? so it's
2: just getting crazier every week we do this
0: it is getting a little crazy
1: i mean i didn't think it could get any worse but i was very wrong pleasantly surprised well i mean this this is the this is the thing though is i just played in the usm qualifying not tuesday gone but the tuesday before and i was getting ready for the tournament and then i was like well what ball am i gonna play because all this cut, um, find it cut it stuff has kind of made me scared within the ball industry. So I had to go with the three brands that I knew that I know are consistent, and that's Strix and Tylus. Well, I would I would say that people
3: believe to be more yes, consistent. Believe, yes, that's a, yes there, believe. Yes, there's a lot of cutting to be done. say <laughs> yes. the least. That's
0: a good yeah, point. we're just getting started, but um, yeah, I mean, we were talking about it earlier, uh, Sam and Harry were both very good college golfers, great post-college college golfers. And prior to working for my gospel, I asked him a question like, when you played golf and you went out there and played with a dozen golf balls, did you ever like once in your career not go, yeah, I assume that all these balls in this box are not only similar but identical, right? So I would assume if we did a survey, focus group study or whatever with our readers or consumers in general, I think if if we could have if we asked people before this whole thing started, I think the majority would assume the same. hmm And what we're finding, you know, not just now, we've known about for a while, that that is not the case. And there are some companies that are worse than others. Uh, this week, Sam happened to be cutting open balls in the uh, test facility. And one that uh, was very concerning was the ball that you're getting ready to see here in a second. and. It was a Callaway Chrome Soft. And that's about as bad of a core centering as we have ever seen. Yeah,
1: I've never seen anything that lopsided before.
0: Now, that being said, Callaway, you know, it might not be known to the average consumer, but in the golf industry, for those that have cut open golf balls on the regular and know anything about golf balls, Callaway is known to be a, you know, pretty common offender to not being able to center their course. Would you agree with that, Tony?
3: Yeah, I think it's, again, right? A lot of it is conjecture, sometimes from competitors. But yeah, if you if you go around the industry and say, hey, who has what problems, this is one that continues to come up. So I kind of look at it as, look, we all know that, that these brands talk and they, they talk shit about one another to a degree. Um, but my my general thinking is if, if three companies that have sort of no business working together on anything I'll tell you the same story uh then there's probably something to it and yeah this this sort of core issue is is something we'd heard about actually heard about it from from other media guys who who did a a ball test quietly a couple years ago and as far as I know never published anything saw something similar to what we saw uh and, and for us it's like Right. It, it's always a curiosity, so we do our ball test, we publish the results, we take some heat. Um, there was some anomalous stuff, like right? like A Chrome soft is one example of a few of a ball that went dramatically offline, and so our question- With the robot
0: that, generally speaking, shouldn't right. be putting and so you balls check the anywhere robot but within you a- check
3: the... Right, you, so you make sure the robot swung its swing, and you, and you check the numbers, and then you go around and you ask people, go, hey, we saw this, what could it be? And they say, yeah, well, if you, if you saw a spin axis tilt, then it was probably an off center core. And, and Sam, I don't know, was this, the ball that you cut open, was this one of the ones we actually tested or was this from somewhere else?
2: This was part of the box of the balls that we saved of balls that we tested. So yeah,
3: I mean, so certainly,
2: and again, we're, we're still trying to get more information.
3: I want to be transparent about that. Right. We're, we are trying to put a value on, Hey, if a ball is X off center, what, what impact does that have? Or if the core is, is, or excuse me, the cover is thicker on one side, what does, what impact? So great point.
0: So a lot of people are asking, Mm -hmm. all right, you guys are, all these people out there are now finding and cutting golf balls. Um, Like I told you last week, you created a monster, which is going to end up being a good thing, I think for all golfers and the industry. Um, But right now what we're doing is learning, right? And we know information. We know for one, for those asking like, how does, what does this do to my golf ball when I hit it? One, this definitively affects performance of a golf ball, meaning that ball will not perform the same as a ball that that, a a ball that has a center core. But there are other issues, quality control issues that happen with golf balls, no different than any other product that is made. There are tolerances, there are things like that, but this ball should have never made it into a box. And, you know, I spoke with the CEO of Callaway yesterday and he readily admits that, you know, Um, and they are investing heavily, supposedly. What we say around here is it's all bullshit till it ain't bullshit. So anybody can say anything. That does not mean I do not believe them when they say they're going to invest heavily to fix this problem. Uh, Because in my opinion and some others, you know, I think they were focusing more on the paint on the outside of the ball with patterns and things like that than they were focused on the quality control on the inside of the ball because you couldn't see the inside of the ball. Problem is, Tony's created this monster now where now you can see the inside of the ball. And guess what? There's a shitload of Callaway Chrome Soft and other balls that are sitting in the woods that are going to start to be cut open. And no matter if they fix the problem today or tomorrow, there are hundreds and thousands of balls sitting out there that I guarantee you, you're gonna find similar issues that we're finding.
1: I mean, that's from the last five years, right? Is uh, is it like we're thinking that it's gone back for five years that's been going through? Tony, you
0: can probably talk to uh, on this more, but I mean, this problem happened before the Chromosoft, correct? With Callaway balls? Yeah, I mean,
3: and again, look, it's. I hate the idea that we're we're just piling it on Callaway, or that's the perception. But I mean, well, this is a Callaway really ball that it we're talking about. Oh yeah, yeah, it's certainly right. Callaway was the only company to come out and call the results of our ball test into question. And I think, you know, sort of that ball that Sam cut open kind of shows, Hey, like this, this is how what we saw as, as crazy as it sounded at the time. And we say, Hey, a ball went, you know, 30, 40 yards offline. This is how it can happen. So yeah, I was certainly more curious about Callaway balls. So I've gone back. um, As far as hex black, I've cut open a couple of Tor IXs as well. And yeah, there are, there are some centering issues I've seen, um, what I would describe as batter issues or lack of consistency to see to the mix. And what I mean by that, I got one right here. So I've, I've called this one, this is also a Chrome Soft, call it a uh, a Chrome Soft Swirly. And, and hopefully you can see those swirl move patterns a, right move there. Move it a little
0: closer to the camera if you can, Tony, so people can see. I mean, so-
1: we've definitely seen some of these in other balls. Oh. And, and yeah, so there's, that's there's some, some balls that we've cut open recently, they w- the core itself is just the same color and then there's like a a, a core and then it's like a seems a little differentiated yeah, so color within that core. So that's Something.
3: a little bit different so there's that, a couple different things so right this this here this the swirly and again that's poor mixing correct? what's that
0: that's poor mixture correct
3: right yeah so when when you part of it i guess i don't know if it's technically the first step but it's an early step in the process right you you sort of take all your ingredients and, and throw it into the an industrial equivalent of a KitchenAid, right? And it just mixes it all up, and then you start you, – you create your batter that way. And so that that's something that should be a consistent color in, in most golf balls, right? You, you shouldn't see swirl patterns. And with that one, what I did was I actually cut it twice, and you can kind of see how how the swirls kind of gradiate. And all right, Tony,
0: for golfers off. out there right now, until we can get some – Definitive performance numbers, meaning if your core is off this much, this is how much to expect for performance differences of this kind. What are three common things that you see that are uh, red flags in lack of quality control inside of a golf ball? For one, it's off-center core, right?
3: Off-center cores, we've seen, and you know, seen it in multiple brands. So let's not just say, hey, this is just a one-brand problem. It, it happens. Um, off-center cores. Lack of uniform thickness in the cover is another one. So you'll see sort of visibly more urethane on one side of the ball than the other. Um, that one's pretty common. Uh, the swirly core, so inconsistent mixing, I guess, is how I would I would describe that. And uh, sometimes you get cover defects. So you know, sort of like almost like part of it got melted or scratched or something like that at the factory. And That
0: can affect performance. So
3: oh yeah anything speak, that speaking of that real quick that means
0: yeah so you guys out there that are getting your balls refinished right or buying balls that are refinished what Stop do you say it. To yeah and
3: Don't why that. tell
0: them why that is Tony
3: so with, basically look you need the cover of the golf ball to be as uniform as possible meaning you know the the dimple depth is what it's designed to be so as soon as you start sort of repolishing and repainting you can get uneven layering of the dimples and that's going to create a ball that doesn't fly the way it's designed to. Okay, it's, so it's so, yeah. Let me ask a question. That's not where you want to save money on a golf ball. Definitely I,
2: not. I'm a golfer. I just bought six dozen Titles Pro V1s. I don't want to cut open every single Pro V1 to figure out if there's an issue with them. Is there something that I can do at home to check the quality of I the have, golf have ball before I? test some salt. Test. I, yeah, we've talked about like the
3: GoPro spinning, and again, it's not really. It doesn't really check the quality i would say right um the Epsom salt when you, you suspend it and again guys this one this is pretty simple right you just mix Epsom salt with water and you just keep adding Epsom salt until you get to the point where the ball floats and what that's going to do the ball is going to tilt to the heavy side so the heavy side of the ball if there is one is going to go down now the faster and then you know once you sort of identify it kind of mark the top of the ball and then just start rolling the ball and get it rolling and the faster that it returns to the same spot, the more kind of out of round or off center so the this, core this or some piece of here, in the
2: ball be. This callaway ball here would flip to that side really quickly. Yeah,
3: theoretically. And that's yeah. that's the same thing, right, when you when you hit it with when you when you hit the ball, whether it's with a robot or with your own swing, right? At impact, that ball is going to immediately fall to the heavy side. The heavy side's gonna drop and you know, if you, you talk about basic ball flight laws, what that basically amounts to is a rapid increase or rapid change in the spin axis. So, you know, that's why if you look at our data, Sam, as you recall, we were looking at some of the numbers and we're like, is this right? We saw spin axis tilts in the in the plus or minus 10 degree range mm-hmm. when typically it would just be a degree or two. That's why it's, it's at impact, the ball tilting to the heavy side and creating that curvature. And that's as soon as it flight. comes
1: off that tee. Oh yeah it's, immediate. Sure. So it's a meeting sure that's that's the thing
3: every yeah. everything that happens at impact happens in fractions of seconds of seconds so
0: yeah. yeah so the problem great question sam so if i'm a golfer and i just spend a hundred dollars or whatever on golf balls how do i know which ones are good that's the problem we don't have x-ray machines at home most of us to be able to determine <laughs> where the cores of these balls are if that is the one thing you're going to look for like there's obviously more issues than core going on right so the you, even if you the Epsom salt tells you something it's not going to tell you about the swirls in the core it's not going to tell you necessarily about some of the other issues the problem is right. this is a problem that the golf ball industry has right and that's just the way it is there are companies definitively that do a better job at this and but at the end of the day this is real yeah
1: and golfer this needs to be fixed by companies you know and h- how is who's who's the blame for this is it a is it a both company you and have to give a shit
0: about quality control in whatever company you work for i don't give a damn if you're making golf balls or you're you know writing articles it does not matter right you have to have checks in place yep. to find these things and make sure they don't get out into the world and we and we get you know people are start cutting them because even if you have quality control checks Sometimes you need quality control checks after quality control checks, after, qu- I mean there have to be checks and balances for this stuff and the companies
3: that invest in that have less of these issues. Well, and I think it's, it's important to note like centering a core, it's an easy thing to say, but it's, Hard to it's do. a really difficult thing to do when you think about like the entire process, right? So you have to have like a mechanical process that centers kind of your bottom layer. Every layer has to have a process a precise process to center that's extremely difficult to do and that's before we even talk about the fact like you know these things essentially go in an oven to cook right and so think about the grill at your house right how difficult it is to to maintain consistent center temperature in the center of the grill in the front of the grill in the back of the grill right that's what you have to do all of these cons- temperature has to be consistent everywhere in the oven that cooks it Right, so that that's part of it, and inconsistent temperature, Harry, is is part of why you see kind of that that different coloring in the center becomes right. more of like a cake. Okay. And some companies that's do that by design. But to answer your question, Adam, like to center cores and build the technology and the machinery and the precision into all your process to, to do that costs a lot of money. Here's my, reality, here's my here's my answer
0: work. to your response. If you don't have that in place, don't sell goddamn golf balls to people.
3: But but here's the thing, right? There some of this is to a degree on us, right? Because if you look at you're, you're charged, say, forty-five dollars a golf ball, right? And or dozen golf balls. And consumers, some of you you we hear it all the time. It's like these guys are charging us this much because they have to pay tour pros, right? If they didn't have to charge pay tour pros, it wouldn't be this year. No, there's precision that costs money. And and quite honestly, if you want a Better golf ball. If you want a truly perfect golf ball from every manufacturer, like that's that's not a forty-five or fifty-dollar dozen problem. That's a sixty-dollar dozen a problem. Like that's that's the level of precision. You yeah, need we were to talking to
0: somebody, better. and we, you're not going
3: to pay for that.
0: We were talking to golfers our, aren't
3: going to pay for that.
0: We were talking to somebody the other day, and they had a eye-opening statement. You know, they are not in the industry. They got exposed to the industry, and they walked out of a situation and went, "Man, like." These companies that get it right, that put all this effort into this, I always I never wanted to spend that amount of money on their balls. But after I've seen it, you go I'm shocked they don't sell them for a hundred dollars a dozen. That's how much effort and work goes in, and machinery and time and just resources and everything that goes together to make these balls perform well. And most golfers just don't know that. But that all being said, I think as golfers, if I'm going to Walmart and buying a fifteen dollar a dozen, I don't. I can maybe expect a ball like that that we're seeing at forty five dollars dollars a dozen, and if you're going to call it tour quality, I'm not expecting to see that. You know, mm-hmm.
3: yeah. And, I, and like I said, Callaway was clear; they uh, they don't they don't find that acceptable either. And so you know, well, they found we it acceptable
0: certain... until we cut that ball open. How about that?
3: Well, again, you know, I don't know if they would say yeah that was acceptable till we got caught or holy shit, you know, we need to rapidly improve the quality control. Yeah, process. but it's been it's I been think, going on think for think a such long time. time. There, you'd be hard pressed to find anybody anywhere who would look at that ball and go, yeah, that. <laughs> okay. Well, is let's, let's, let's be, this is factor. called
0: no putts given. So let's be honest here. We've been on calls with Callaway over the last few days. Yesterday I talked to the CEO of Callaway, Chip Brewer, and it was a great call, but I asked them all the same question. If We don't do this ball test and we don't cut that ball open. Are these phone calls happening? I didn't get a uh, answer to any of those questions from anybody, you know? So, maybe they are behind the scenes planning and from what i've heard they are planning on fixing their ball plant facility and investing a lot of money into Should it I right hope they are. but and maybe that i'm sure that was happening before this came about um oh, yeah. but i don't know it it is kind of the timing is interesting right
3: yeah and, it, and what we don't know right obviously like i said everybody agrees that ball shouldn't have left the factory whether that's a You know, whether that's a 1 in a 100,000, a 1 in 10,000, a 1 in a 100, I don't know. Um, And again, that's that's why we want to do this whole find it, cut it thing is, you know, like I said, don't buy it, cut it. If you find it in the woods, instead of sticking it in your bag, because you should be playing the same damn ball anyway, every shot, every round. Just cut it. Cut it and see what we find. Because if, if we can crowdsource this thing, rather than golfers having to take our word for it, like just let's let's put it out there and and see if we can get enough of everything from everywhere and everybody. We're gonna pretty quickly be able to tell who has issues and who doesn't. Because again, like my feeling is if it's if it's not readily visible to the naked eye, it's probably not a big deal. But when you see something like what we found, then yeah, that that that's a big deal. And and I know golfers have sort of pushed back and go, well, what about the different densities and that could offset this and that. And like, look, at the end of the day. Companies are tr- are using different materials, right? Different different inner core, different outer core, different formulations for a reason. Uh, Titleist, Bridgestone, Shrixon, everybody else is working hard to center their cores for a reason. If this stuff didn't matter, companies wouldn't invest heavily in trying to get it right. So while we can't say, yes, absolutely it matters to this degree or this ball is 75% worse or better or whatever, at this point we can't give you that information, all I know is, everybody who makes a ball is trying to avoid making a ball like that well so it, I think I absolutely think matters
1: I think they're trying to do that now because we called out golf ball no, companies I
3: think, like, I, 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 as much as I'd love to tra- take credit for everything look this is as well, I said I've found evidence that to some degree this problem goes back a number of years if I've found it they've certainly found it and I'm sure this
0: is exactly been part but there's there's, there's my
1: point right there is If they've known about it, they just haven't said anything about it.
0: I think they chose, you know, when they did this ball war and five-year war and all this stuff, I think they chose, you've got to pick your battles, right? If I had to guess, and I'm just making an assumption here, they chose some more flashy marketing things like the Truvis pattern, the painting on the outside of the ball, ways to get people to start focusing on the Callaway ball and get their attention away from the Titles ball. Yeah, let, and, let's and do, the second and that go got prioritized maybe below centering cores of golf balls. I think now that they've g- gained some market share, they're probably going. All right, let's get this shit right. You know, yeah. Let, yeah I like, think we had right. totally everything to do with it. I think this just was a catalyst to push it maybe a little faster. Maybe the, maybe
1: over the
3: edge If you go back years upon years upon years at this point, right? Titleist has been a dominant number one in the golf ball space for for basically as long as anyone can remember, and probably then some. And and for years and years and years, manufacturers have tried to take market share from Titleist, um, and everything has failed. Right, whether it's undercutting them on price or whatever. Like the strategy, to a large degree, has been all right. Let's let's essentially make a, a tour quality ball and and find a way to compete with Titleist with a ball that's just like Titleist. in it, you know, I think a great example is the conversation we had with Chris Bischral at Mizuno last year where he talked about the mistake they made with the JPX EZ. And basically, Mizuno, Mizuno was trying to make a ping. Uh, and that's essentially what all the ball companies have been trying to do, is, is make a Titleist, or a ball that is perceived to be as great good as a Titleist. So, and you, you cannot compete with Titleist making a ball that you can't otherwise differentiate. with the not compete Titleist being Titleist, basically. <laughs> exactly. And so when when you can sort of tell a story where, hey, soft, right? We, we have soft fast core. Well, guess what? soft is fundamentally different than anything Titleist did. It is a way to differentiate your, your product in the marketplace and and sort of make it more compelling than, than any of the alternatives. And when you put a Truvis pattern on a ball, yeah, that is different it's, to a degree. It's cool, maybe exciting, but biggest thing it's different from a Titleist. And well, when, not
0: only different, but it's you, it's your, you own that brand. You own that look, right? when people think about Truvis, they don't think about Titleist. They think about who? Callaway,
3: right? Yeah, and, and let's be clear, right? And, and again, we haven't seen the process. We have an open invite to the ball plant. We're going to probably go out there later this fall to see how Callaway does things. But they made it very clear. Look, the, putting those patterns on a ball is mm-hmm. not easy to do. And first of all, they, they bought or licensed that Truvist, right? So they essentially own that process. It is now unique to Callaway. And they developed machinery and engineered all this really cool stuff to put those patterns on the ball and you've seen it evolve to and they did the same thing with triple track, right? They they licensed the technology, developed the machinery and the tools and the know how to put those lines precisely on a ball. So they've been they've invested in Truvis patterns. Look, Callaway has and, the coolest and really golf cool ball things. in I mean, golf.
0: There is no doubt about it, right? I mean oh, the yeah. Truvis is the coolest ball. The the triple track is cool, but they get you know different yeah for sure. As long as they get this right, sure it will be great for them.
3: And so and and I think like I said, I, I think you sort of had to differentiate to gain share. And now that they have unequivocally gained share, right? A definitive number two in the marketplace. Now they have an opportunity where they sort of have a, a reputation. People like the ball, people like the Callaway product. I think Callaway is cool. And now, now they have a position to compete on cool with potentially, right. If they get everything right, if they, they improve the quality and, and, I think, raise the compression, right? Because we know soft is not competitive in the tour space. So if they do those things, now they have a ball that potentially, potentially, right? There's, there's At some point, there'll be a new ball. We don't know what it looks like. But it's a ball that can potentially compete with, with Titleist and Bridgestone on a performance level and still have the cool factor that comes with Truvis, Triple Track, and, and whatever other cool yeah, stuff. And then I, I,
1: think, I think they're on a home run if they get, all of that right all right well to end it do if, you think the chrome soft survives this if if they definitively come out and say we have fixed everything i'm not talking about fixing it i'm talking about the then name no. chrome soft like then
0: no i don't think it does do you think they're gonna have to change
2: the name of that ball if they start taking our data seriously where soft does really equal slow i mean
3: they so my my thinking is look if if you're going to make what is legitimately a tour-quality ball. If you're going to do that, you need to raise the compression, and at some point you raise that compression
0: to a point where to, you can't call it soft To a point anymore. beyond
3: where you can legitimately call it soft because at some point somebody's going to compare this theoretical new Callaway ball that is that is fast, not soft fast, legitimately fast, to, to an older Chrome soft, and the feel is going to be wildly different. Well, it different. is interesting, and, right,
0: <clears throat> that they really quietly – firmed up that compression, right? Without any telling anybody.
3: Well, that was just, yeah. On the, uh, on the Chrome soft X triple track. Uh, one of the Callaway guys told me it's slightly firmer. I don't know what slightly means exactly. I've heard, you know, somewhere in the ballpark of eight to 10%. So yeah, there to be a tour ball, it needs to be firmer. I don't, I don't think anybody argues that who knows anything about golf ball performance at this Agreed. point. That is, that is a legitimate fact.
0: Well, and and let's
3: be clear. Look, and again, so we had that call a couple weeks ago, and and Callaway was upfront about it, Uh, and it's true for most, not all, golf brands. But yeah, they said, yeah, look, our our we have tour pros that play a different ball than what's on the shelf, and Titleist has tour pros that play a different ball than what's on the shelf, and TaylorMade has tour pros that play a different ball than what's on the shelf. Not all of them, but there are tour. Yeah, and there's reasons. I tried
0: to explain this to somebody the other day. If you make three balls, you don't want to make forty-seven different balls, right? And if the guy that you have on tour happens to be in between two balls, I think it's fairly easy to change the mixture a little and and make him a ball, but also not make 4,700 balls available to the public, right? I mean, that's just yeah, that's
3: a lot. That's a problem. Like and, and everybody go, well, they should. Like, no, that's you have to look at the other side of it. That is a huge problem for retailers, right? Hell yeah. Where instead of stocking three Titleist tour balls. You have you're now asked to stock eight because you know people want left up and left dash and whatever stuff. no. like eighty they're not, they're not 80 trying
0: th- to de- deceive the consumer. It's just they have to fill the need of the tour guy, which happens to be in between two of their balls, but that doesn't mean yeah, those they guys should
3: are, those guys are way more discerning than the average golfer. Those yeah. guys can tell the difference. In yeah, they can shot to shot like you know for a consumer, like having one ball that that launches here and another here is fine. Tour guys want to be there, then you, well, then until, you give them your ball. Until you
1: fine tune your your game to a tour player standard, who wants to get a specific thing within and around the greens, if they want it to release a little bit more, or whatever. Well,
0: which that brings them. the whole conversation. We'll just kind of end it here, and that is that's why these balls existed in the world because the average golfer never even wouldn't even know that the ball was crossing that. The Deschambeau's the the. PJ Corporal yeah, hit that ball. With- I've heard from the people on the tour that have said like they've hit some of these balls and they go, look, I'm not playing that ball. You know, it's not consistent enough, you know, you will
2: probably right. lose that ball before you get a chance to figure out that it's actually the ball. Right.
0: But you wouldn't blame it on yourself as an average golfer. Exactly. Well, that's you, what right? what I mean. well you
2: would, but, that, right. You would. That's what I mean. Is you, I'm lose. sorry.
0: You wouldn't blame it on the ball. You're correct.
2: Right. Cause you wouldn't even have enough time to, to figure out that that's the ball causing it. Mm-hmm. Totally
0: agree. All right. Well, that's shot of the truth this week. We could go on for hours about golf balls right now. And we'll probably have another discovery by the time, this happens next week, especially with all the people out there cutting them up. So, anyway, uh, Tony, you have anything to say to all the find it cut it people that you you created this? So,
3: yeah, keep going, guys, and I'm gonna definitely keep going. I'm, I'm just kind of been blown away by the response. It's it's awesome, and I'm just gonna ask everybody out there: look, we're we're not trying to throw anybody out under the bus. We we just want to find what's what. So 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 let's all try and do it the right way. Uh, take quality photos if you can don't mislead like try and show the side stamp if you can so we all know what we're looking at and there's no there's no question of hey is this legitimate or somebody trying to 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 make somebody look bad Let's, good point look, and just remember somebody? for
0: everybody else out there that you know tries to defend this brand or that brand or you know tries to fight in the twitter sphere of whatever monotony just remember, like, we're not doing this for any other reason than you. Like, we're literally trying to make the industry a better place and hold them accountable for some things like this and do testing to the best of our ability uh, for consumers. We literally are consumer first. And for everybody out there that disagrees with this, I have still no clue why you would be doing it. Uh, we're making. You know callaway is saying they're gonna make better quality golf balls that's good for all golfers yeah, so anyway get out there find them cut them and until next week uh we'll see what you come up with and um starting now we're gonna get on to the tons of new releases in the golf industry <laughs> it's up. a
1: busy week <laughs> yeah why why this week why it's this, the open uh yeah it's i guess was a dumb question, i guess you could but... say it's because the open there's
3: some there's some enhanced visibility with the open uh but at the same time like all the visibility is on the open so i don't know i think you risk getting equipment lost in the shuffle as well but again part of it too is companies want to put i mean some of this stuff isn't for tour players anyway but to a degree companies want to put this stuff in tour players hands ahead of the open it's going to get seen, and if it's going to get seen, you might as well have the information out there, I guess, is probably the, the argument for, for why uh, the sudden rush of releases this yeah, year. Yeah,
0: and you see a lot of utility-type stuff, hybrid-type stuff generally around this time or you have in the past. So it's a time where you start seeing like the Titleists or whatever. But we're going to start with Mizuno, and here's why. Because, for one, just a reminder.
3: <laughs> Mizuno.
0: Mizuno has not only done well in our testing this year, they have literally... Swept, mm-hmm. dominated uh, every
3: category they were in. Yeah,
0: they have dominated. So I just want to drive this home to people: if performance, not marketing, determined the number one selling iron and golf, which unfortunately is not the case, Mizuno should, could, would probably be number one, and they deserving deserve it. And it's unfortunate that they don't get more eyes on them. I still to this day can only come up with one reason, and that's lack of marketing, comparatively speaking, to other brands. But iron to iron, there is not a better iron out there, in my opinion, than Mizuno Golf. And they proved it this year. And it kind of showed us through our testing. Their their models are similar, right? And their <clears> philosophies <throat> throughout their different styles are similar. So to see them constantly show up at the top was was nice to see, not for Mizuno, not just for our testing purposes, but it it validates the testing. It validates a design philosophy as performing well uh, from the way we do our testing. So for you guys and girls that are out there that have never tried Mizuno uh, for whatever reason, because you've heard some other iron is longer or whatever, uh, or fancier, just go demo them, comparatively speaking, to what you own and just see. Because like I said, they are by far the number one performing iron in our testing this year, and it wasn't even close. So, what do we got for them this year, Tony? The MP20. And when you look at that picture, you just go,
2: "Damn!" Like, yeah, I mean,
3: we we always go "Damn" when we see blades anyway, but yeah, that's a yeah,
1: that's a double
2: uh, damn right there. Yeah, that's
1: that's one of the ones I've looked at and was like, "Oh my god, just to blade. Matt." Show them the other. <laughs> yeah, Let's, just I mean, the and
3: then and then you go blade and then you go MMC and you're like. Damn! And then, and then you go to Ugh. the HMB, which don't I guess too, sort of don't officially don't. stands for the Hot Metal Blade. That uh, has Chris a little, and I have, and I a have the Hot Mother Bitch. Hot Mother
0: Bitch is. is what is, is what it's being called behind closed doors.
3: Uh, good night. <laughs> Certainly behind our closed
2: doors.
0: <laughs> well, I
3: don't know. Is the door closed? our behind? open doors? <laughs> Just kind of <laughs> shouting it.
0: So. Um, hot mother bitch. I don't know how you can make a better looking iron like
1: that's just yeah and ugh, and, and, yeah, and they, and they said that,
3: proof. Like, looks don't matter and and feel doesn't matter, and but if you can if you can get <laughs> sweet like get an iron that looks like that, that feels like Mizuno is has is known for and performs like Mizuno have have performed in our tests recently
2: damn
0: yeah so I mean, really dead. quickly damn. what's that
2: their mp18s won our our players irons test last year yeah and then yeah. their it's jps line yeah. won this year yeah when does it end And I,
3: I want to be clear right it was mizuno's choice in hindsight maybe we should have we should have tested him anyway but it was it was mizuno's choice to to not submit mp18 again knowing that mp20 was you know right around the corner there consistent two-year cycles and in fact they actually announced a little earlier this year than in the past. So, um, so it would have been interesting to put JPX up against MP, uh, knowing that they're a little bit different different for, for different golfers. But, well, mean, next
2: year we'll have the chance to do that. We'll yeah, have I the and yeah.
0: So just a reminder for everybody out there, these are called the MP20s. And a few tidbits, Tony can give you more, but a couple cool things is there's a picture of the copper underlay that we have for everybody they don't really have an answer on why they're doing this. Meaning there's no data that shows that this makes clubs feel better from an acoustic standpoint, frequency, sound frequency standpoint, or, but they know it does and they're gonna stick with it. And they're putting copper underlay under the iron because
3: every, so all three models too, let's be So yeah, this is the copper. You get copper with any of the three models.
1: I but, mean, damn, just make a whole set look like that. No right, that's, that good. <laughs> those, <laughs> those are the ones I want. <laughs> yeah. I They're already. the ones
0: like, give me those. Mm-hmm. Damn. Well, anyway, they say that the really good golfers can tell a difference just subjectively. So why yeah. not put it there? It does cost more money. But also, for you lefties out there, I know you're going to love to hear this. Mizuno, some. Ha- Mizuno has some of these new irons available in left hand.
2: Yeah, so it's a. Yeah, while they last.
3: They're, it's called the—they're calling it the SEL set, special edition lefty. So what they're doing is is pre-bundling a combo set for you. So it's HMBs up to the five iron, I believe, and then six through pitching wedge in the the MB slash blade. So I'm seeing, um, where I'm seeing past... a lot
1: of um, I'm seeing a lot of combination, a lot of companies doing the combo sets, um, and it's not just one company it's a multitude of companies that are doing that well makes sense um, you know it makes a lot of sense i have i have them in mind the combo set i wouldn't it's
0: just more it's a
1: la carte right
0: you can you can yeah be able so to set how you like so that how was, do you just
1: kind of one of the the interesting notes from our
3: conversation with chris Michal leading up to this release um so mizuna went back and looked at the data right so they built mp18 to be comboed it was like really the, like everybody's kind of mixed and matched with mizuna you've always been able to do it but uh, it was really the first time they sat down and said, what if we we built four models that could be mixed and matched into a into a player's bag in any combination they wanted so that you get kind of seamless transitions as far as offset and top lines and things like that. So that's what they did with MP18. And what they found, like, over 80% of the sets they sold had at least two models. Um, and granted, a lot of that's going to be you know, fly high long irons with whatever else you played, but they definitely saw some guys that were doing fly highs to MMCs to blades or fly highs to MMC to split cavity, or you know any combination there. And so they kind of continued that trend and said, all right, we're gonna we're gonna give you three models, and they're all designed to be mixed and matched to to whatever degree you want. Um, uh, but the other thing they did was create a lot more differentiation between the models so that you can clearly say, hey, Obviously, there's a breakdown of forgiveness between the blade and everything else, but you can also say, hey, all right, I want oh. higher launching long irons. You can go HMB and more penetrating scoring irons and mix with the MBs. So, well, options, options, options. All
0: right. So, what I will try to reiterate is, you know, like we've Tony said, we don't care about sound or feel or anything like that. But if you can get sound, feel, and performance, why not choose that? And Mizuno has proved all year this year that they have done all three of those and these look not any worse, but better. We don't know about the performance of these, but I highly doubt they went way off right or left compared to their design philosophy for uh, performance. They just look
1: so clean.
0: All right, so would next-
1: you, Would you say, Harry, that they're naughty? They are naughty. <laughs> like, look at them. They are just you naughty want, you irons. Want to, you want to spank those irons? You want like, to do they some are naughty just, things to they them? Are just... <laughs> I wouldn't play blades again, but they does, are naughty does, looking. Does Daddy like you? I don't know. Man. But that's like, you know this, is, this is the first. Let's, let's no, talk no, no, about no, that this... real quick.
3: So, so Harry just said he wouldn't play blades, and this is this is one we're going to talk about later on as we move to one of the other releases. But so, in talking to Chris, what he said, something to keep in mind, like once you once you get to about plus or minus eight iron loft, based on how you deliver the club, like forgiveness forgiveness kind of becomes less important and loft kind of takes over is as, as what determines distance and and, and to a degree even yeah but that's pretty common stuff. sense
0: the eight nine wedge but I mean
3: right so that's what I'm saying like you know Chris is saying hey yeah you should think about maybe going to the blade in in the eight nine and the wedge if that's going to give you the trajectory you
2: I've want. I've been I've been saying that I would never play blades ever again since I was in high school when I had 690 MBs. This is the this is honestly the first set of irons where I would honestly like give them a shot. I yeah. might give them a shot. Yeah, well, it's, uh, I haven't even it's seen them cool. I don't know. I don't then.
1: know if I. I don't know if I would. I would probably like your fifty-eight, your sixty, or all those like lob wedges and gap wedges. I would probably. I play blades in those, but that's because you're consistently delivering in the same way. I don't think I have a consistent variable that allows me to play a blade that if I hit it slightly off the toe. It's gonna go X amount shorter, or it doesn't feel well, as good.
0: Like Tony always says, play the most forgiving, workable iron you can stand to look at.
1: And
3: that's what they say. They one, say, one, one they say that blades is, is easy to is, work. This is something. This is something again we'll talk about a little later. But just go back and look at some of the some of the progressions and sets that are on on the market right now. I think like the example that that kind of popped into my head was was some of the. Uh, Tailor made with the the speed slot technology and the and the you know the stuff they put in the sole. If you look at the progression of those irons, once you get to the eight iron, right? That's that's where the slots disappear. They they and take the it out sound. because again, everything is driven by loft at that point, and so they are taking out the speed. I, technology, I hear Tony. You know, I hear here's
0: what I hear from Tony. He's pushing. Oh, he wants, oh, he blade wants blade, the he blades, blades want man. <laughs> but
3: I, I think I mean.
2: Beau, He's basically
0: convincing himself right now. I, hey, whatever you I, got I to do,
2: please convince me. I may try it. I'm here for it. <laughs> <laughs> well, again, <laughs> and, and like, and we
3: know like, part of, part of my here. problem is, is too much loft, too high, you know, too much dynamic loft. And so I may lose a bit of forgiveness, but if I can get better ball flight, you know. All we'll right. See. Well, let's get off these real let's quick. Move on.
0: And get, yes. And go to the opposite end of the spectrum, which is the Callaway Epic Forged Irons.
3: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
0: So these irons focus on distance, right? And it looks, they're $2,400 a set, the premium set, kind of that, in my opinion, PXG effect is continuing its, its reign here over the last few years of these companies now pushing that limit and having something that can compete. And um, it offers them a new opportunity to have another iron in the lineup that kind of differentiates from some of the other stuff. But in my opinion, it's still their philosophy is those winning those launch monitor battles because that's what wins sales, right? But in our testing over the last few years, that has not done very well. Right. Um, So, you know, a lot of tech stuff that I'll let Tony talk about. One of the more interesting things, the microspheres and the tungsten placement of it, uh, which is interesting. So, Tony, what can you tell us about the like? What do we like about these irons? What should consumers be interested in hearing or knowing about them? Yeah,
3: I mean, I guess I guess the first thing that springs to mind, right? So, if you look, compare this. So, this is the replacement for the Epic Iron, right? In that kind of that ultra premium space or or high end, whatever you want to call it. And I think if if you look at Epic, it didn't really look the part of a premium iron. I think this time, Callaway, from what we've seen, right? We don't have these in hand yet. Um, but they look really good in that space, right? Like it, this looks like a, a high polish premium offering. This, this looks like it costs money like and a lot of it. So I like that. Um, they, they've done a lot, too, they say, to improve the feel because that was kind of the knock on the Epic, too, is that mm-hmm. it, it just didn't feel like a yeah, premium iron. If you're going to sell
0: a, a set of irons for over $2,000, they've got to feel the part, right?
3: Right. So, yeah, they've, they've used the urethane microspheres to kind of dampen vibrations and improve feel. In fact, there's a the full kitchen sink of Callaway technology in this. So MIM tungsten for precise weighting, high launch, that kind of thing. Uh, urethane microspheres for for feel and, and cup face technology for more ball speed. Uh, so, again, the, the, these are what they're supposed to be in that space, uh, and they are absolutely loft jacked. <laughs> um, Mitch, well that's what I was pitch gonna
2: pitch say so I've already heard from some people iron that is. Huh? I don't even want to know what the seven iron is yeah so I've already heard from
0: some people that you know the people that are already have access to them for the fitters and things like that and they're telling us they're long and I'm going okay what's the loss you know so what yeah, are we so,
3: what's the spin rates off them too so 41 degree pitching wedge so obviously we're we're Three super strong, strong. Now before, so here we go so here, here's here's oh kind of the button right so Um, we've only, I haven't had a chance to to touch base with Dr. Hocknell over at Callaway. He's usually really forthcoming when I talk to him about how they do things. Um, but what they've said is there's some spin preserving technology built into the face. And so the whole, whole idea is, you know, not only is it the typical story, like, yes, the lofts are strong, but we've got the CG deep. So they launch high, but they're also saying we've got technology in the face that helps put some spin back into these for more stopping power. So interesting story. TBD on whether or not it works, but but here's kind of my concern with this release. And again, right, you you don't know until you hit the full set and see how this all plays out. But uh, I think I think most agree that you want consistent loft uh, progressions. And so what I see here, if you look at the long iron, so that's um, you know I guess everything from the four to the seven, you have three degree progressions in the in the lofts. When you move to the seven and eight iron, that's a four and a half degree progression and then and then from eight nine and on it's it's five and a half degree progression
1: do we know so, what the um so in the height does it go up to four iron or three iron i think this is
3: a four iron this okay so what's the do we know eight, what the loft is for degrees. that is it a two uh, iron me, loft actually let me pull it up here go ghetto style here so epic forge it's an 18 degree four iron, <laughs> iron and that's a, a two so iron go, for everyone out there so it's 18, 21, 24, 27, oh 31.5, For 36, this. 41, 46, 51, 56. So, um. so that, that's half the offering, right? So that that's kind of their their mass market ultra premium offering. At the same time, they've also updated the Epic Star Line. So a bit of a refresher. This is kind of a premium offering targeting slower swing speed players. Right, just so, so this,
0: everyone was, out there knows, that was a JDM Japanese style design right that Mm -hmm. is being retargeted remarketed whatever you want to call it to the u.s market to some degree it is basically lighter and it is built for slower swing speeds and in the japanese market they have if you take the average of their swing speeds per you know average for the american golfer their swing speeds are slower than ours and they also generally Prefer a more ornate piece of a golf equipment, and they're willing to pay more money yeah, for it, right? They, they so,
2: perceive the the value or the the performance to be higher if it costs more. Right? One of the
0: coolest stories from the PGA Show when I was first getting into the industry, man, I walked into this thing, and I was big into putters back there. I walked into the putter corral, and it was a much bigger back those days. And there was a putter company setting up, and a Japanese distributor walked over and goes, "They were all limited edition putters sitting out there." He goes, "I'll buy them all." And the guy had just gotten the golf putter business. And he's like, okay. And the Japanese guy says, how much do you sell them for? And he's like, 260. He goes, and he literally just walks off. And the guy's like, well, wait a second. Wait a second. <clears throat> I thought you wanted all the putters. He's like, not for $260. He's like, what do you mean? He goes, if they sold for 600 or 1,000, I'd buy them all right now. Literally, he didn't even care. He, he didn't want them cheaper. He wanted them more expensive, you know, because that That's is something market. that they prefer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that product looks more luxurious. It is also built for a different type of golfer. So they kind of like the Zexio model in America, right? So they're bringing it over here and it doesn't cannibalize the Epic Flash that they have. It does a couple things in my opinion, Tony, you let me tell me if you agree. It gives them more sales number for the Epic Flash family, but doesn't cannibalize their main driver because this is targeted to a Completely different golfer, is that right,
3: correct? The same yeah. guy is not Te- textbook, textbook line extension, right? That's kind of the the phrase you use. Is we're we're just extending the line. So. um So yeah, is this? R-
1: sorry, Tony, to cut you off. Is this like the same as what Titleist? The same kind of demographic they're going towards, where the Titleist brought out their new one. Um, yeah, I mean, yes, but I would
3: say the uh, the approach to the driver is different. Well, I mean, I want to let's start with the irons and we'll work to the driver because okay. the irons are interesting and and spoiler, alert, I, I just don't like what they've done with the driver. Um, so we'll we'll get there. But to to start off, where we like to start off, guys, the pitching wedge on the uh, Epic Forge Star, thirty eight degrees. <laughs> so, um, very much a chap. Like, Dude, hey, that's look, my like, this iron. is. Yeah, it's, it's a Japanese market spec. So, I mean, to, to I know guys are going to scream loft-jacking and, and freak out. Um, and again, my concern with that, because to a degree, I, I, I believe and seen evidence, right, you can do stuff with, with weight, weight, play, weight placement to get higher launch and all that stuff. But for, for a product that targets a slower swing speed player, again, part of part of launch comes from speed. So how are you gonna get a thirty-eight degree pitching wedge in the air if you're,
0: you're a slow But ball time. go far.
2: I think the yeah. the Tommy the Armour uh, Atomic
1: irons are thirty-nine degree pitching Yeah, they're, they're pretty close. But the only way to cut, you have to get the dynamic that your dynamic loft so high. You basically have to flick it at the wrist to try oh and get gosh. it to go high. Yeah, and, and again, my concern statement. here isn't,
3: isn't necessarily with the with the static lofts, right? Because that kind of is what it is, and if a golfer likes that to a degree, fine. But again, it, it's the loft prog- progression. So if you go from the 5 to the 7, so the 5, 6, and 7, there's a 2-degree lo- uh, loft progression. Uh, Why is that? Progression. Because you- and, and here's the thing. What we find with a lot of golfers, uh, certainly average golfers, long iron gaps aren't what they're supposed to be yeah, anyway. When they're true. 3 to 4 degrees, there's they're already too narrow. So, my concern here is at two degrees, you're you're narrowing further, which probably isn't great. When you move to the seven and eight irons, those gaps increase to to three degrees. In the eight and nine iron, they're four degrees. Nine through pitch iron, they're five degree gaps. And then when you go to the the a wedge, the gap wedge, and the sand wedge, those gaps are six degrees so you're building in a six degree gap between wedges on top of a three, this is the problem that I, I have two. with
0: callaway in general and once again not picking on the brand but this is just they they they're throwing watermelons up there for us i mean like this is not focused on anything but sales in my opinion anything and it's they are cutting corners they're charging higher prices premium prices right but they're giving the customer something that they think they want but they don't need you know but you,
2: but you want to assume that the guys in the R&;D department at Calgary are saying there is a reason that we're only going to use two degree g- gaps in our lofting from because the if long you run. don't
0: do that, you're to get the distance that they're trying this is my assumption if you, to get the distance that they want in the launch monitor battles, you've got to hit it for certain irons right? You got to be at that loft number. If you didn't, if you did that and didn't have those progressions, what
3: would your lofts be? I guess that's a
0: good point. I mean, but when I go and I hit my
2: seven iron the same distance I hit my six iron, what the hell's the point?
3: And there, there is potentially some stuff with, with sole width, width and weight progression and, and all that stuff that adds dynamic loft here in the long irons. But again, everybody tells this story to some degree, right? Hey, well, we, we can get more launch out of an 18 degree four iron or whatever it is, but, Man, those two degree progressions are tight, and That's so this so is a weird, case man. where I've got to
1: see it work. But these, these are the, for the, these are for like the moderate swing speeds, correct? These are for yeah, like slow speeds. right? Sure. So, low. so, so, if you if you say slow, the the average golfer is not going to be getting, not going to be using their four iron, five iron, and six iron. They're going to be using, uh, they're going to be taking those straight out and putting like a hybrid in, and then when it comes to the the lower end of the of the of the set it just they might want sense. that but it doesn't make sense but the, i i think that they the don't really care about a, that the but. person
0: you're selling those two doesn't even supposedly know for doesn't need any of that they need the opposite of that right it's
2: yeah, exactly he, the mean, same as what mizuno was not opposite that of that they mizuno that, sorry right exactly, exactly. but they don't even know that they need that right no no they don't i want to i want to keep an open mind needs, on this
0: no, but More that's gambling? why I think they're taking advantage of what consumers think they need but don't, or think they want but don't need. Right.
3: Yeah, and, and look, I want to keep an open mind on this. And again, like I said, there could be something in the dynamic properties. But Tony, we've tested these To be these brutally irons. honest, a six-degree progression with the wedges. When you started a two-degree progression in your long irons and work your way up to a six-degree progression in your wedges, that scares the shit out of me. Like, who has six-degree progressions in their wedges? <laughs> well, two, two.
0: Two-degree two progression in your long irons. Like you said, you're basically playing the exact same iron for most golfers at that point. They wouldn't even do oh, By it. the
3: time you factor in mishits, yeah. Exactly. Yeah, I think,
0: it's like just, the average
3: guy, if you look, I've, I've seen some Arcos data, for example, and a lot of times the the five and the six iron are, are a washout anyway. Look, all right, we're all
0: about performance over marketing, and our job is to call these type of situations out, in my opinion. And that is marketing over performance, in are my these opinion. Yeah,
3: again, yeah, like I said, I'm what? open to the idea that there's more to it than the static numbers tell us, but but certainly these progressions
2: are are weird, is <laughs> how I phrase it. Now, are these the only guys doing in the industry? Strong loss. No, like every, but, everybody, law progressions like that.
3: No, no, and again, this is this is one of the things Chris Bouchal said, right? Where to a degree. Companies are sort of engineering their seven iron because that, thats the—that's the demo club right now. Yeah. So you, you engineer the a seven iron to win a launch monitor battle. Because uh, again, if you're going to a cool club or a custom fitter, they're gonna they're gonna take care of all this stuff. But for a guy who's walking into a big box store and whichever goes longest is gonna win. Like that's what you have to engineer for. And once you once you put a number on that seven iron, that's my point. You sort of have to build everything else to to work as best it can big around one. that number. Um, now let's talk the driver. Like I said, this, this is one I really don't like. I didn't like it when they did the, the first Epic Star. Uh, and, I, and I don't like it for basically the same reason. So Chris and I, we went through and we took the numbers from the presentation and, and actually took an Epic head and measured it, uh, an Epic Flash head, I should say, and measured it against the spec that, that Callaway provides for this head. So basically what this is, is a fixed hosel version of the Epic Flash. Uh, when you take that hosel weight out, it basically washes out. So the, they haven't engineered anything out of the head. they just adapted it for a fixed hosel. It's essentially the same weight as an Epic head with the adapter. All of the weight savings come from the head and the grip. So ultra light grip, ultra light shaft, no real weight change to the head unlike unlike what Titleist did with the TS1 where they actually took a significant weight uh a adva- uh, bunch of weight out of the head the difference there is right you you get a truly lighter weight head so what product. you're
0: saying what you're saying is kind of a trend that happened back to the Adam speed line right uh aerodynamics and there were some lighter things that they, everyone started to try back then right <clears throat> and then it went crazy for a while everyone went in with a lighter version and what we found was lighter is not always better for what it's meant to do right and there's a point of diminishing returns and a point where that quote unquote technology which is just making things lighter doesn't actually benefit those that it's made for would you agree
3: well i think i think for the target market market lighter probably is better but my my larger point here is they haven't taken anything out of the head so that's that's what i'm saying yeah so they they whereas titleist for example actually made the head lighter made every element of the club lighter here, Callaway is essentially giving you the same head. They're giving you a lighter grip and a lighter shaft, and for that, you pay a hundred and seventy dollars more so that compared to again what Titleist and they they no adapter, do. right? Well, yeah, and you lose adjustability, but you do maintain the MOI, which you typically lose moving to a, a lighter. So doesn't doesn't that,
1: um doesn't that go into the fact that their marketing for every single from the new irons is is different than than that like that they're not going for performance for relatability i mean i'm trying to imagine myself sitting around a boardroom and go so
0: we're going to give them a lighter shaft lighter grip same head paint it black and charge 150 or 175
1: market it it differently do you think they'll buy that yeah let's do
0: it
2: How does that make this, sense? This is it the doesn't. thing. that's the
3: point. That's exactly my
0: <laughs> so point. Again, right
2: this, is,
3: this is being billed as ultra premium and part of that ultra premium pra- placement is the price tag. But look, if we're making a reasonable evaluation of, of what Callaway did here versus what Titleist did with the TS1. So Titleist took weight out of the head. Callaway didn't do that. And again, you can argue both sides, right? Lighter could be better. You may want the additional MOI with the head weight. So maybe that's a push. Both companies give you a lighter shaft both companies give you a lighter grip. I think both give you a golf bright, a lighter golf bright grip.
0: But I'm asking and, you a question: and Where is does the $175 extra come in? It's that gold. Paint hold on, dog? hold on. Where, yeah, where does that? <laughs> where do you? Where are you adding that up to where it equals? Let's charge $175 more to the consumer.
2: I think so it's the a perception argument around, thing.
3: last time around was in the shaft. Now it's an ultra premium lightweight shaft. We've talked about this before. For a guy who who is in this target demographic, which is 84. 80 to 85 miles an hour or less you know you sort of don't need the the premium exotic materials right you're not getting a lot of t1100 or or pitch 70 in these shafts these are these are standard issue graphite and yes there is some engineering to make them lighter but I, like i said Titleist can offer essentially the same package with a lighter weight head so lighter griff lighter shaft and they're doing it for the same price as everything else whereas to do this with a callaway you're paying hundred and seventy dollars more for essentially an epic head with a bonded hosel and other I wish people would
0: just use their common sense in this and go Can I hey and that's, if that's i've got amazing. to buy two gallons of milk one's painted black with a gold cap that's painted black not real gold you know and one is in a clear jug and they're charging me 50 dollars for this one and five dollars for this one
2: no, no that's cons- consumer behavior but hey they're selling this in japan right they're marketing no, that's, this that's, that's no weird. this
3: is a u.s release so this is a Japanese release, Japanese spec product targeted for us, brought to the U.S. but maintaining the premium price. So, like I said, I can I can argue a case for the irons. I think there's some some intrigue in there and some things they're at least doing differently. Here it's just two lightweight components and a paint job and a hundred and seventy dollar upcharge. That's, and man, that's that pain. one. That's tough to swallow. It's
0: called a money grab. Yep. Anyway, I don't just, like it. Don't, don't like either. that one. All right, so. Lots of new releases. We're going to cover some more real fast just so you know what's out there, what to look for, and what we think about it. And one up right now is the Ping Glide 3.0 i2. all the Soul Grinds. Wedge. We huh? Got all yeah. the Soul Grinds. But the i2 is one of them. So the i2, if you're 35 and under, you might not know this. If you're older than that, you definitely do. It's probably the most interesting-looking wedge that ever came out. Uh, it's probably the most kept. It's like the FJ cruiser of cars. People don't get rid of these things. Uh, there's beryllium copper ones that were up for $3,500 plus, um, on second swing, if you're interested. And so what's the 3.0 version of this, where they're bringing it back in a sort of kind of way.
3: Yeah. I mean, I, I think it's fair to say, right. That the, the, the Isole in particular is the inspiration for all of the high toe stuff we see these days. So I think you can kind of trace it back to that. And it's probably Ping's answer to its own answer. That's not an answer putter. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so yeah, so glide 3.0 wedges. Um, it's interesting. I, I say Ping has has done some exploration in the wedge category in recent. So we've got the recent times glide 2.0 stealth this is sort of the evolution of this that is also not the glide forge which is a totally different thing so uh 321 cast from th- uh, 431 steel which is uh going to be firmer than say something like a 1025e that mizuno uses and so to mitigate that bigger custom tuning port for feel and, and lots of different soul grind mm. balance options we just
2: got that. them in the office yesterday mm-hmm.
1: super soft yeah they yeah. they're nice feel good if you're yeah. into fail story yeah. for
2: another day but how crazy is it that
0: carson solheim his putter his wedge still to this day man after all these years impact and designs that come out from all these companies pretty amazing so yeah um that's the ping uh glide 3.0 i2 wedge uh take a look at that if you get a second
3: and yeah so the i the big thing with the i the i2 model is the the narrow hosel and kind of that, that higher toe, it's it's really designed to for easy out and less resistance through a bunker. One That's other thing that you're
0: going to see this week, probably at the Open, the Open, right?
2: Mm-hmm, the, the Open Championship. Open. Champion champion. The
3: open.
0: The, is going to be a new club from Tylus called the U500 and U510.
3: And Tony, uh, what do they need to be looking at for that? So two utility irons, two different models. Story is what you would expect. The, the U500 is narrower sole, thinner top line, designed for better players who wanna work the ball. Uh, U510, wider sole, thicker top line, more offset, uh, designed for more of the average golfer crowd, designed to, to get the ball up in the air. Uh, and that's basically, really, I mean, right, it's a, it's, it's a direct long iron replacement, to, to borrow a phrase from Mizuno, for players who don't like hybrids. The really interesting thing, I suppose, to some anyway, is going to be that uh, we've confirmed with Titleist that uh, with the release of the U500 and U510 that there will not be a TMB replacement this time around. So oh, instead of making did. a full set of utility clubs, they've decided to focus on on just the long iron replacements here. So if you if you didn't care about TMB, no big deal. If you love TMB, uh, too bad. I guess she's All right. So that's like oh. a ton of new releases. Do we have any more? Yeah. One more that's worth mentioning, <laughs> uh, just because there's a, a new technology here. So uh, released alongside the Mizuno MP20. They, yes. As you know, they, they didn't the come out buddies. with a, a wedge last year. And that was so they could replay, uh, sort of put their more game improvement S series alongside the JPX and then put the T series alongside the MP series where it belongs. So we got a, T, a new T20 wedge available in a satin chrome a blue ion and a raw finish uh suck it lefties only the satin chrome is available for you um, <laughs> sorry guys the big thing here is a new groove so they're they're calling it a hydro flow micro groove and the analogy they use the that is <laughs> <laughs> so they, they 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 sort of liken it to treads on a tire, where it's designed to funnel moisture away from the impact area. We know so how the story they're telling is. So what Chris said, what Vishal told us is, yeah, if, if you really want to spin the shit out of the ball from the fairway, and that is a quote, uh, you might be better off with your Vokey, But if you're looking for consistent spin. So dry condition, wet consistent. You want to wet conditions. You want to get as close to that same number as you can. That's smart. Uh, The story is that the, the hydro hydroflow micro groove retains more spin in wet conditions. It's like uh, it's it's nearly the same as, as dry conditions, and that matters. Certainly, we saw it when we attempted the the wet portion of our ball test. As soon as you get moisture between the club face and the ball, launch angle increases five degrees plus. We saw. Spin in some cases can be cut in half. So if you can maintain more spin in in moist conditions with a with a wedge groove, that
2: that's a pretty
0: big yeah, deal. Now, know, well, ideally, you want the same spin for everyone every-
2: well. Yeah, and before you and guys so- move on, before you move on, there's one thing I want to notice. And when you're going out golfing this weekend, if you're a dew sweeper, you play in the mornings. Pay attention to the kind of a reaction your golf ball gets when you're hitting that first shot into the green in the morning. Cause ever, ever, since we did the wet wedge test when we ran the ball test, I've been paying attention and it is drastic. It's always it gets hard. If you know, if you it's going to
3: happen. You can play for it.
2: Exactly. Like once
3: you understand what's going to happen, you can play for it. Exactly. So that's huge. Um, one other thing I wanted to talk. About. Oh yeah. One other thing about these wedges. So, Again, this is a micro groove. We've seen this on on other wedges where they kind of, it looks like a pattern on the the groove. And as soon as you hit 20 shots out of a bunker, it's gone. The difference here is they put the micro groove on before the plating process. So you get the benefit of the groove. Uh, The downside for Mizuno is the technology itself is barely visible when you're looking at the wedge, but the upside is it doesn't wear off like you get with other wedges. So the plating hit it, but it
0: actually works better and longer.
3: Yeah, yeah. Gotcha. So it's going to be an interesting one to check out and see if it if mm. if it does what it says it does. And I think I think if we're looking for a lab test to do and really check this out, like a wet wet wedge test with the uh, the the hydroflow micro groove versus you know obviously if I'm going to pick one, the Voki, right, by far and away the number one wedge in, in the market. So uh, does this retain more spin in wet conditions than a Voki? would be really interesting to get down to. So yeah, that's it. We've got. Uh, MP20s, T20s, Glide 3.0s, U500, U510s. Should mention, with the Callaway stuff, there is also new hybrid that sits between the Apex and the Big Bertha. It's it's really just kind of a size thing. I don't think there's a way that anyone's going to remember all these clubs.
1: Yeah, so basically the whole industry is coming over new launches. I
3: I keep trying. I want golfers to care, but we see it in every hybrid story we tell. Nobody gives a shit. But know that it exists. (laughs) There's a new hybrid. And with the uh, the Flash Star Fairway Woods and hybrids as
0: well. All right, so, so. just a reminder, we have a bet. That's on Harry and Sam for the Open, and you've got Rory, and you've got Kepka. Mm, so, it.
2: I've got. You've Rory. got Kepka. <laughs> you've got
0: Rory, right? Yeah. Yeah. Whoever loses, we got a whole
1: bag of infomercial clubs right there. And I'm not gonna lie, that's that the uh, sandpaper wedge might be out the uh, you know there. You know what's <laughs> funny is I
2: I actually think I'm gonna lose this just because if. I think Brooks has a higher chance of finishing in the top five than Rory does. Okay. Like either Rory's going to win or finish 12th. Okay. Okay. Well, we're going to see. Brooks is going to win or finish we're top we We're going to see. Oh, I, I hear the All excuses right. already. I know. God, hey, we're I'm gonna ready. See. I'm going to start practicing with that square strike. We're going to be good. <laughs> better
0: get that hammer driver <laughs> practicing. All right. So <laughs> one other thing is we have a new uh, MGS uh, major marker coming out today, three o'clock. Um this video might or might not even be out there by three o'clock podcast might be, but we're going to pick one of you that does a review on the podcast. And we're going to send you one of the, uh, limited edition 99 made MGS major marker. Uh, it's basically like, it's a watch face. It's pretty cool. Uh, you can see it on the screen now. It is the last MGS major marker of the year for the open Mm -hmm. and we're going to give one of those away to somebody that leaves a review on the podcast or a comment today on the video. and We'll announce that next week on the next week's podcast. What's the,
2: what's the time
0: set
1: to on the watch?
0: Uh, it's the 148th open and it's set that's to 148.
1: 148. Wow. See what you did there? That's clever. It's pretty mm. smart. Wow. Going straight in my basket. <laughs> <laughs> All right. That's
0: that's enough for this week. <laughs> it's be done now. <laughs> That's it for this week. Subscribe. Thanks for listening to all of it. <laughs> yes, the long version. You guys wanted a short one and you didn't listen as long as the long one. Now you said you wanted the long one back. So the long one's back in a special Wednesday edition. Comment, subscribe, review, whatever you do. We love to hear it. And uh, until next week, next week is episode 10 So see you next week.